Hello and welcome to the Pint Talks podcast, where two old friends chat about the world over a pint. In this episode, we talk about the recent and still developing Wall Street bets versus hedge funds battle. We discuss the role of social media and changing trends in investing. Nothing we say here should be taken as financial advice, coercion, or endorsement of any of the actions or services discussed. This content is purely for educational and entertainment purposes. But it is interesting also, though, on the positive side, on the semi-positive side, that we like what's happening now with this GameStop. Somehow, people that are strangers that don't know each other are able to organize and and form this fist to 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 at least punch someone once. Like yeah, to fight. That's back, kind of fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way, I think a lot of people felt it like this. At least the small guy got one in. For sure, it feels like that, and and that's why it, it's sort of a, this big movement. And people are so excited about it. It's because it, it it feels like there's a way to resist the the system. There's a way to resist all the shady activity that's been happening with hedge funds and with Wall Street. And I think that's what's fueling this movement. Yeah, it's a way to hit back at the people who've, in some ways, orchestrated our lives for decades. Let's rewind a bit. What happened, and what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about the thing that everyone's talking about, and that's the Wall Street bets. That is what's happening on Wall Street right now. I'm sure you guys have already heard about this a lot, so I'm not going to go too deep into this. It's all over the news. But basically, stocks such as GameStop, and I think it was 12 other stocks in total, are, are getting inflated, uh, seemingly kind of artificially. Uh, out of nowhere, they just went up. And, and the reason was because an army of people, through social media, through various places like uh Reddit have, have decided to to really invest into those stocks in order to what is called a squeeze the short positions. They appear to target stocks that have very big short positions. And a short position is basically someone betting against a stock, someone betting that the stock would go down. They picked stocks that have these huge short positions, particularly by these big hedge fund managers. And so this army of uh, individual investors just totally inflated the stock in order to squeeze the short position to to really hurt the hedge funds and by by raising the stock. I think we can go a little bit into what a short position is, a long position is, and a short squeeze is because I, even for people who invest in stocks, I think they're not necessarily well-defined in how they work. So in terms of just educational it could be nice to just talk about a little bit longer i think you're better fit to do it because you actually do investing i can do it normally when you're investing the, the most basic form is you buy a share of a company you buy stock company stock and what that is is you know it's a piece of the company you buy a tiny piece of the business so you're technically a, a business owner when you do that so that's the traditional way and in in many ways that's considered long investing I don't know why it's called long, but it is the long position where you're betting that the company will go up. The stock price of the company will go up. That's why you're buying it. And if it goes up and you own your share or number of shares that you own, then they'll be worth more so you can make a profit out of that. So that's the classic investing that um, uh, many people imagine what investing is. 
right? It's, it's the same in when you buy gold or anything that you buy. Maybe you buy a painting. You're buying it and you hope that maybe it will go up in price. That's kind of like an appreciating asset. Okay, but what happened then with uh, Wall Street versus Reddit was that that was not long positions, right? That was shorting. So can you explain what shorting is? Yes. Now, there are ways you can also invest in the market. If you think a company's stock is going to go down, you can also short it. So you can short the stock of the company. Shorting is a way to basically bet against the company. And, and the way shorting works is you, you borrow a stock from someone and you pay a premium for that, some sort of a price for that, um, right, to, to borrow it. Then you have to return that stock to, to the same person within a set period of time. So what you do next is you sell the stock immediately on, on the market at the current price and you take that money. Then what you do is you wait. So you have that money that you sold that borrowed stock for and you wait, hoping that the stock price will basically go down. Now, if it does go down, you, you buy it at that lower price with the money that you had from selling it earlier and you return the stock to the lender. What you do is you, you basically keep the difference between the price you originally sold the borrowed stock at and the price you, you bought it at. So you, you take that difference, you pocket it. So that's a way to bet against the stock or to short it. And, and what happened with, with stocks like GameStop and others, like AMC and, and BlackBerry and, and others, um, is that they had very large short positions. There were a lot of people, and particularly hedge funds, that had shorted the stock, in effect, betting against the company. But yeah. yes, so I the way that works is it also decreases because you, in a way, move a stock horizontally as opposed to a buy a stock it actually also decreases the demand for these stocks as well. So the price would naturally go down. Is that right? Yeah, the way stocks work in general is, you know, they go up when, when you buy them and they go down when you sell them. That activity of, of you doing the short position or buying that, that option to do a short will potentially de decrease the stock's value. And obviously these experts and traders and hedge fund managers, they understand that stuff very, very well. So some of the points made in the media lately are that, you know, they, they could be using these type of strategies to really, I mean, they have been to, to really like hurt a company to sort of have a big impact on them. And what this movement, what's happening now is, is essentially to counter that. So people are buying the stock, they're buying options that are up. So they're doing like a, it's called a call, call option when you're trying to predict that the stock's going to go up. So they're really doing the counter movement in order to basically screw up all these hedge fund managers that are shorting the stock. It kind of makes sense also in a financial sense, because if you short a stock, you make the stock go down, then somebody buys it off cheaply or cheaper, and then the stock goes up because demand goes up. So in a way, financially, I think some people, some of those Redditors who bought all those stocks did uh, pretty well. I mean, the stock is up more than just to give people For an now. idea the stock is up more than a thousand percent gamestop in march 2020 was about three dollars at the moment it's over three hundred dollars and it's it's going around granted you picked a, you picked a very specific point in time where the whole market was is, is really low yeah but, but yeah. yes but they did yeah it, it is astronomically up right now well it is interesting what's going to happen later you know like how at the time of this recording we're in the middle of this situation and so we don't know who who's the winner who's the loser of this mm -hmm. we know that currently certain hedge fund managers have lost a lot of money they've exited their short position on a big loss 
But the stock will not just go up endlessly. The buying, the buying will stop at some point. And so there will be definitely a lot of these people who are buying will be losers as well uh, in the long run. Some of them will make a ton of money probably, and then some of them would lose. So obviously, depending on how late you exit your position. Yeah, that that's the whole thing now is when people exit. And on the flip side, if somebody shorts this position at the, at the right time, they're also going to make a killing. Even before March 2020, and it's true that that's the lowest uh, that stock has been in a long time or ever. Even before then, GameStop was worth maybe 10, maybe $15 per share. So to go from 300 to 20, that's a lot of money. It is. And you would have the situation where people are just going to be afraid, I think, to short it just because of what happened. They're probably going to be afraid of shorting anything now for a bit, but they might be particularly afraid of shorting GameStop. So their stock might naturally be higher for a while just because there's going to be a lack of uh, lack of shorting just because it's such a scary, scary place to be as a short position. The last concept that we might want to talk about, which you mentioned, is short squeeze. Sure. You want to you wanna go at it? Sure, yeah. To my understanding, a short squeeze, you have bought a short position. You see that that is going badly and you start buying up stock. And by buying up stock, obviously the price will keep on going up. However, you can then sell that stock at a higher price and mitigate some of your losses. Yeah, essentially they have to cover their position because since, for example, now if you're short in GameStop, the stock is going up so high that your losses could be monumental. So the only way for you to really protect yourself that I'm aware is if you start buying it. So you kind of jump on the waves. So you're kind of like playing both directions and you're kind of screwing yourself up by doing that too because you're you're raising the price. So it's a poison pill <laughs> for sure. So one aspect that's kind of fascinating about this is that this, all, this whole thing seems to be orchestrated in social media, uh, particularly places like Reddit, where people were, have this uh, Reddit code, Wall Street Bets. And then, you know, that's very popular for all kinds of bets. I, my understanding is I, I haven't been reading it before this thing happened, but it, it seems like a bunch of these people got organized and they acted as a, as a unit. That's kind of a fascinating development, isn't it? That's absolutely, yeah. And I think it really goes into our discussion about social media and the strengths and weaknesses of social media. And this, I think, is one of the strengths where people can really mobilize for a certain cause that they enjoy. And one of the things that, it, that stands out for the whole thing, to me at least, is which stocks were chosen. GameStop is one, and the other is AMC. And if you have grown up in your teens in the US, you're in your 30s, maybe 40s now, GameStop is probably a big part of your childhood because it used to be a huge chain of, of stores and it still they still have a lot of stores, but you go and you buy consoles, you go and you buy games there. It's a shop for video games, for memorabilia, for merchandise, for you know games, pop culture in general. So a lot of people who are, who've grown up now and in their 30s, they would have worked there and they would have visited there for sure. And it used to be almost a social center at some point. I'm wondering how much of this and buying this stock in particular has to do to screw up some people and some hedge funds, but to also save a company which some people consider to be very nostalgic. Yeah, that's an interesting aspect. And the same with AMC, because AMC is a company dying at the moment because of COVID. And it, it, again, is a staple of, uh, of American culture in a way, because I have my local AMC. I'm betting a lot of these people have their local AMC as well. And it's one thing that you don't want to go away, but because of market forces, it may very well. 
And it's similar, like you might, you probably have gone there for dates. You probably have worked there as well. For sure. Yeah. That, that might have a piece of it for sure. There's a few reasons for it, right? One of them is from what I've read all over being bombarded with this in the media. They picked stocks that were particularly heavily shorted. I think GameStop was somehow, and I don't understand how that possibly works, but it was a 130% or so short position. So somehow it's more than 100%. That kind of thing just pisses you off, first of all, that this type of thing exists for those of us that don't quite understand it. For the commoner or the normal person, uh, it, it just sounds crazy. It, it sounds like they're playing this very dangerous game with this excessive shorting that, that looks deliberate. It looks, and then in some cases, it looks uh, overdone. Well, uh, I think part of the beginning of this movement was someone made an analysis saying that GameStop's not nearly that bad as the short position suggests. So it's kind of like an injustice is happening on it. Can you clarify a little bit what shorting it that much would mean in the real world? Like how would that translate in for the company? Basically having a your stock that short would, would be bound for the company, wouldn't it? And you wouldn't see as much investment in your company. Yeah, so it could affect... Definitely, when you it creates like this very negative sentiment around the company. Uh, when you see that all these hotshots are shorting it, then a lot of people might be discouraged, might be afraid of investing in it. So now what does that do to the company? Well, if they have a very low... Now, it doesn't change the fundamentals of the company. It does not affect really what they do in their operations. But it could uh, restrict their ability to raise capital, for example. Many companies use their stock to, to raise capital. When you have such a position discouraging investors... It could shake up the leadership in the company. So it kind of brings, uh, sort of destabilizes the whole firm when the stock's doing so badly because shareholders get pissed off. The board might get pissed off. It's generally a bad thing, really bad thing for the company. And it's snapping out of this is probably going to be very difficult, especially for such heavily shorted positions. So some of these are, you know, companies that are in in tough situation now. GameStop is, is one of them, heavily affected by coronavirus, AMC. Also just trends in society. GameStop has been suffering, I believe, from what I also read yeah. about this. It from makes... just having the older business model, having, you know, not not the trending thing right now. Well, even then, I think it makes a lot of sense for GameStop that it was maybe a little bit overvalued because on, on top of the whole thing, you know, brick and mortar stores and the older business model, which seems to be on its way out, you also have... You, we just passed Christmas, so usually these kinds of uh, shops operate very well around Christmas. They make a lot of profit in, in the last quarter of the year. The second big thing, which was probably very big, was we just came out, the new console generations, like PlayStation and, and uh, Xbox, just came out. They came out in the uh, last quarter of last year. And they've pretty much, you were probably riding on the tail of that of that hype in revenue, but it's probably towards the end of it because the early adopters, the people who would buy a new system when it comes out, would have bought it already. So you have two big things that are ending and GameStop had grown from March, which was about $3, to about $20 in December. That is before any of this happened. So you already had a big change there. So I suppose people were expecting that now after Christmas and after the new consoles, it'll drop back down. For sure, yeah. Yeah, I heard some of that. I, I haven't tracked the, sort of the fundamentals of the business, so I can't comment in, in too much detail about it, but I definitely read some articles about that too, that they were expecting a just a natural drop in the company because of the seasonality and the timing of these consoles, for sure. 
Just to give people an, an example, so maybe you're not too familiar with how games gener- console generation works. Typically, what you have is game consoles such as a PlayStation and Xbox. They get released every four to five years. There is a release of a new generation, or maybe not four or five, but three to five years. I, I actually don't know exactly what a cycle is, but that's basically it. You get a new generation out. So you have the, the PlayStation 1, 2, 3, 4, and now 5. So you have all those places, and each and every point... Uh, the s- revenue of things like GameStop and other Walmart and other things go way up because a lot of people want to buy that console right away. So you get a huge revenue boost from the people who are buying that console. And especially for, interesting enough, for both Xbox and the PlayStation 5, they ran out. A lot of shops ran out of inventory and they were waiting lists for these consoles. So there's a, there was a huge demand for them, which the manufacturing couldn't meet. And now that's over. So naturally you would expect that the revenue of such companies would fall down. Now, what we see for Walmart, that's a small part of their revenue stream, but for places like GameStop, with uh, the nature of the way the games are sold now, that would be online, a lot of it. So places like GameStop, which used to focus on on selling games, they're a little bit like Blockbuster or the video store, the DVD store. They're not hanging on very well. So I think that's another reason that GameStop was probably going to decline, but it was probably not going to decline back to $3. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I think obviously the coronavirus had a big deal, I think, in the stock being probably $3. I don't know details of it, but uh, from the timeline that you described, I think a lot of companies were really down in March. It's interesting that a, a single company can become a battleground of philosophies or of generations or of classes uh, just fighting over this this really one stock. I mean, there's a few of them up to, I think, 13 or so. They might grow in the future. We don't know what's mm. going to happen. But it's uh, to me, it's crazy how... And the market's been going down the last few days uh, because of this, largely described by all kinds of analysts, that being the main reason for it. So this one stock had... To, this one small stock had the ability to actually shake up the whole markets. Wow, that's remarkable. In a way, it shows you the power of social media. I personally, at the moment, find it more positive than negative because you're right. In a way, it was a hit by the small people against the big hedge funds, which were not doing something that may, that many would consider positive. I think, yeah, a lot of the market problem is with trust. Now that you have this extra player in the market, which people may not have considered before, a lot of it might be, well, do we, how do we figure that in into our predictions? And one big effect that, that this could have, for example, is like you said, a lot of people may not be willing to go short anymore or for at least for a while because they could sit at the back of their minds, they could be, well, if I go short and, I, and I'm wrong, then I'm done. And short positions are famous even in uh, those kinds of circles for being very difficult to predict, like for being very risky from what I understand. For sure, yeah. One thing that's even more interesting to me is that this this is sort of the tip of the iceberg of this movement. There, there's been a movement that started in the last years. And there's an app called Robinhood. So a lot of uh, what is uh, commonly called retail investors use that app. Uh, what's meant by retail investors is generally just like a, a normal person that does not have like a fancy team and just a regular investor, commoner. So Robinhood has been, you know, you can, you can kind of judge by the name, obviously. Robinhood takes from the rich and gives to the poor. So they kind of pioneered this model of 
uh, commission-free trading. So for each trade, you kind of like don't you don't pay a fee for the trade itself. That's been very interesting development in this. First of all, that army of Robin Hooders is what people are referring to. I've been trading stocks for it's my fourth year now, and I've been hearing over and over how all these fancy analysts and hedge fund managers come on air in TV and uh, all these shows and and just completely bash these Robin Hood investors. That has been it's it's like the term millennial. Where millennials have been, <laughs> millennials have been criticized left and right for things they're guilty of doing, not guilty of doing, and not even <laughs> knowing about. And and so same things been you happening. Know, for they ruined investors. breakfast, the millennials. They ruined yeah. breakfast. They ruined the cinema, the millennials. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. that uh, funny they, they, they meme that was happening. Tanks Obama. There was a Tanks Obama <laughs> thing for everything bad happening. <laughs> And oh yeah, yeah. So, that was exactly that was the meme on a meme online for a while. Yeah, anything happens, thanks Obama. <laughs> right, and so the same thing's been happening with uh, with Robinhood. Like I've been I've been listening to these people for years, just blaming every single bad movement in the market onto the Robinhood investors. And so now it's it's getting to a point where Robinhood investors are not just a bunch of these people that are not following what I don't know whatever the experts kind of expected them to follow, but they're kind of coming together more united and they're they're being organized i don't know by whom it's actually impossible to tell because of anonymity of reddit but one way or another they're getting together and they are now a force to be to be recognized force to be dealt with i was also thinking about this it's an interesting dynamic about society in general it's a way through social media and social media organizations of uh, people to take charge of society through investing it's a different lever that we can all pull, that people can pull to control what happens in which companies survive or what the values of society are. Well, and it hasn't been accessible to us traditionally. Yeah, that's a big part of it. So I would say this is like apps like Robinhood and social media in general. That's a big positive. And it's the democratization of both financial decisions on a high level and of information. For sure. And and why need that? And I think the answer is because, for example, if I want to invest my savings with one of those fancy hedge funds, which are some of them are managing more than 100 billion even, but you know they're managing all these millions and billions of dollars. Usually, I think the term hedge fund is for only billions plus. Otherwise, it's, it's usually called mutual fund, actively managed mutual fund. And so if I want to invest with one of those, I can't. Uh, usually, if I don't have 25 million or more in capital, I can't invest in them. So they're not accessible to the average Joe. I think a lot of these, if you don't have something like a way for you to invest in stocks, then otherwise you're stuck with, um, you know, I don't know, you wait for your deposits to grow or something with very low interest rates. So it's it, it's kind of like a inequality manifestation, right? It's a manifestation of inequality where normal people don't have access to these funds, then the funds control the entire market. But what we're seeing now is like the rise of sort of people that are just Investing uh, through these through technology, through these simple to use apps, through commission-free trading. I mean, there's many, many factors that are leading to this, obviously. I think democratization of information also is another huge factor because we just simply did not have access to the same information in the 90s. But now at our fingertips, we have so much information about these companies and what's happening. So the, the field is getting much, much more even. Even in, not only information, because I when you when we were talking about information, I was mostly thinking about you know, what a certain company is doing and news. 
But on another, on even a different level, nowadays you can pretty much listen to podcasts about investing. I this morning I came, I woke up and I have an app about investing, and I just follow news there. And a lot of these things were discussed. So you can get a lot more help, a lot more education through the internet than you could ever get in person. You know. For sure, yeah. If we take a few minute break, let's talk about what we're drinking at the moment, just to get a little bit of a, a relaxed flow, and then we can continue. For for you and for us, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. What are you drinking? I'm drinking another. Well, this is one I had for a while, but uh, I can't have a new beer every time, so sometimes I have to repeat. And it's called a uh, Bennington. No, it's you new- have to. You have to have a new beer every time. Oh, Damn I'm it. sorry. Do you have a beer? <laughs> I do not, but I have something else. <laughs> Go ahead. It's uh, from Night Shift Brewing. It's called Bennington. It's an oatmeal stout with maple syrup and Dutch processed cocoa. So if you've listened to one of our, uh, I, I've had, I've talked about that in another of our podcasts. Yeah, it's a pretty nice one. It's okay. It's what I'm having or just had was a, a glass of Chardonnay. I have this uh, black box wine. It's a it's a box. <laughs> I don't know. Is it like something like a Four bottles or something in the box worth yeah. of wine. It's from California, it's right? It's a Californian wine, the black box. I think so. Not a wine snob here, so it's good. <laughs> I mean, if you were, you wouldn't well be priced. a box. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I'm I'm not even, I don't even read my box. So I'm, uh, but it tastes pretty good. Yeah. I think I know the one. I think I like, I they there was this one Californian one which has like, they're relatively new on the market and they have a far, five or six different box types and wine types. If I, if it's the correct they have quite one, a bit. They have quite a bit for sure. I mean, there's all kinds of, uh, yeah. you can get a Merlot or Cabernet Sauvignon, or all kinds of stuff. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong company. The, one the I'm boxes thinking, are on the rise. Boxes are on the rise for oh, sure. Yeah. We're seeing a ton of boxes out there. Quality, they're not better quality, sorry. They're better price than bottles. Yeah, it's a better price it. point. And yeah. to be honest, it's also much more convenient if I'm going to just have it at home. The box has this little, God, I don't know the word, but like a faucet thingy. <laughs> this little tap? Yeah, a little tap, right. little tap. And I don't know, it's much more convenient than opening and managing bottles. And I do yeah. like my bottles sometimes, but uh, this is really practical and it's a good taste, a good price point. I like it a lot. No, I, we also have buy boxed wines from time to time. Especially there's one company, California, and it might be the same as yours. Which is, I like their reds a lot. And they have, yeah, they have Cabernet Sauvignon. They have Merlot. They have a mix as well. They have Pinot Noir. They're quite good. Especially they're like $20 for three liters, which is pretty cheap for the US. It's pretty good. I mean, first of all, wine in the US is insane. It is so expensive. Beer as well. Compared to Europe. So, yeah. Beer as well. Like I will actually say wine is... On average, maybe it's more expensive, but there's some beers which are $20, $30 for the half a liter, which I find crazy. Well, that's real fancy. But I mean, they're, they're European imports, I suppose. That's why they price them that way. But I mean, the wine is so expensive. Like a good bottle of wine, that's relative to who you are. But I mean, in Europe, it's so much cheaper in general to get a decent bottle of wine. Yeah, Absolutely. It's here, if you want something reasonably good, you'd need to be $15, $20. Yeah, $15, $20. I came in expecting it to be like five bucks. And the $5 wines are usually like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Not great. There is no $5 wines. 
There are some. It's like hardly wine. Yeah. Water with some color and vinegar. Vinegar. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's in it. Vinegar Not to bash water. on it, but y'all know what I mean. I just thought I'd I'd put that out there. I'm opening a new one. It's from a new brewery that I haven't tried before. It's called it's from a brewery called Vitamin C. It's an IPA called Secret Vacation. It has a very interesting can. Mm, that's a great theme for now. I yeah. Secret Vacation. It's like an island. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an yeah, island. And C, by the way, is spelled like S-E-A, not C as in the letter. Vitamin C, okay. <laughs> why, like, why the vitamin? I don't know. I don't know either. Because um, <laughs> you need the C. It's like a vitamin. You need it. I like Get it. Get it. Anything Only, with C in it, I like yeah. it. Only C people would understand. You know, in my opinion, there's two types of people. There's mountain people and there's C people. And one of those is wrong, and that's the mountain people. Yeah. I'm a C person. Let's do with where we grew up, I suppose. And the can is really interesting. It's very colorful and it's this uh, island location with loads of greens and palm trees, etc. in the background. Really social cool distancing. Can. Yeah, social distancing. It's going to be great. In the world, you kind of, with the way that things are nowadays, you can kind of wish that you had your own private island. Mm, yeah. I mean, I wish that before before <laughs> uh, COVID happened too. But. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> One of the reasons I thought that this is a good topic to discuss is to really see how and explore how social media played a part in it and, and to explore the good and the bad in relation to our other podcast as well. I think it's a really good example of how social media affects our world in general. It is. It's one of those indirect effects of social media. When you think of the way these social media companies market themselves, stocks are never mentioned, right? You never hear Mark Zuckerberg or any of the sort of the big leaders in the in of these companies uh, kind of speak about this, but they do have effects. They have a prominent effect in in all aspects of society and all over the place. And sometimes those effects are uh, well understood in advance, and other times I think they're not at all. I don't think anyone could have predicted this would happen, especially with something so inaccessible as the stock markets. I mean, the stock markets have been. One thing is when someone gets trolled on social media or comments or something, but this is people putting their money in order to wipe out a hedge fund. Like they're literally betting their own money on that. And because, you know, there's different motivations for it. Obviously, different people want to make money and whatever the reason is, it's uh, it's definitely a new way of using social media and in that, in that sense. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but in a very powerful way, Probably. I see this... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I see this as uh, people claiming power over their own destiny in a way. Because in a big part, the, the stock market, like it or not, agree with it or not, determines how the world works and determines who succeeds and who doesn't. Like It's a very roundabout way, but it is a powerful way, right? Money talks, as we say. If the regular person has access to that and they have power, in it, even if the individual doesn't, a collection does, then that can be quite powerful. And if a company moves in a way that society disagrees, now society has a mechanism of correcting that beyond voting for, the, for somebody every four years. It can definitely feel empowering or liberating to show that the average Joe has a way of resisting the system or resisting the, the rich people or the hotshots. 
One question I would have for you. Do you think investing is good for the average person? Like, what has your experience been in this sense? Yeah, so, so being a very good representative of the average Joe investor, uh, you know, I have no background in, in finance or uh, economics or anything related. My background is in computer science. So uh, I would say it definitely feels a bit liberating to me, a little bit uh, feeling that I kind of have a control over my own destiny a bit, whether that's true or not. Obviously, it's a very complicated subject, but, but it feels like that. It feels empowering that I can use my wits and come up with a certain hypothesis, test it out, and make money off it if I'm right. As opposed to the notion that I just make my money through salary and there's an X amount and there's, a, you know, if you get lucky, you get promoted every few years or so. And it feels very interesting to have this other tool to control your destiny or, or nudge yourself in a certain way. If you want to save up, if you want to pay up a loan, if you want to, you know, buy a house, that's one way for you to generate assets. And I think it's it's great. It's great that we have this now at our fingertips because before it was actually, I don't want to say impossible for every Joe's, but if you're paying for every transaction that you're making, then how are you supposed to learn? If you don't have access to the information about the companies, then how are you supposed to make the right bets? Now we're in this different era where it's possible. And I think it's overall, I think it's great. Now, having said that, there is this aspect of it that I think the adults or yeah the elite or you know the people that have been around and doing this for a long time are sort of warning against which is people can lose a lot of money because they don't know what they're doing i generally disagree with that i think people should be free to use their money as they wish there's obviously extremes to this there's fraudulent activity there's i mean people make mistakes but no one can come and tell me that that the big shots don't make mistakes, that there is any investor in the world that has done it for a substantial amount of time, years, that has not made a mistake. Everyone's made a mistake. I mean, we learn through making mistakes with anything. And yeah, maybe sometimes we lose money by making mistakes. I mean, people lose all kinds of things when they make mistakes. But it's our right to have the choice to do this. And yeah. in that sense, I think it's great. I agree with you. And there's, I suppose, two points that we need to add. First off, I will stress again, as you have heard in the introduction, nothing here constitutes financial advice. You do what you want. It's your money. You make the decision, right? A second off, yeah, I agree with you a lot that at the end of the day, nobody should come in and tell you with your, how you should risk and what you should risk. And obviously, you need to be comfortable with your own life and with your own investments. Removing certain avenues of, of revenue for you it can have just as bad of an effect as losing an amount of money because overall, we need to all have control over our own lives and not have somebody dictate from on high what we can and can't do, so long as we're not hurting others. You bet. It's, it's definitely something that um, is new and we'll learn from it. We'll keep tweaking it. But uh, overall, I'm, I think it's a, it's a great thing that's happening uh, one thing about this, these apps, you know, I, I talked about Robinhood earlier, about one example of such app that's kind of helped democratize this trading or financial investing. They kind of became an interesting uh, player in this whole drama now that's happening with GameStop. What they did is they they halted the buying for a stock. I think it was on the 28th of January, if I'm not mistaken. But they did it for a day. At the time of this recording, it, it was just for a single day. Uh, what they did is they allowed selling, but they uh, stopped 
stop it buying. And they, in full disclosure, they're not the only ones that did that. I think a lot of the other trading platforms did the same. Uh, but a lot of people criticize that move because, you know, since Robinhood is sort of this take from the rich, give to the poor kind of a branding and that's their whole what they're about. They got a lot of criticism because when you do that, essentially you only allow selling and you don't allow buying, then clearly the, the price will just go down. I mean, there's nowhere it can go. It cannot possibly go up. It's just people will be selling. And so what many people interpreted that as was taking the side of the rich people, of the hedge funds, of the elite. So they've kind of found themselves in the middle of fire here, whether they want it or not. I mean, I'm sure they didn't want it, but it's upon them. There's a few lawsuits. I believe two lawsuits against Robinhood. It might only be one. Uh, I think there's two. One of them, in one of them, there is a sort of timeline for this. And what they say is on 11th of January, 2021, the GameStop uh, Corporation stock started to rise. At the beginning, Robinhood allowed the retail in the, in the stock. On and about January 27th, 2021, in order to slow, this is what the lawsuit alleges. I'm literally reading the lawsuit verbatim at the moment. On or around January 27th, 2021, Robinhood, in order to slow the growth of GME and deprive their customers of the ability to use their services arbitrarily, purposefully, willfully, and knowingly pulled GME from the app. That is the end of the quote. So that's what that lawsuit alleges. So the timeline is about it's 11th to 27th. And I think they have it. They allowed it yesterday, the 30th, if I'm not mistaken. There's a lot of lawsuits that are expected to come in for sure. Yeah. And the a lawsuits, lot of uh, expectations for dozens of lawsuits. Possibly. Yeah. The lawsuits in uh, the specific allegations in that lawsuit. And again, these are allegations made in the lawsuit. I'm just saying what they are. Is that the lawsuit is alleging that a Robinhood is trying to manipulate the stock. And the second thing is that they have prohibited, they have removed access of their users from buying the stock, therefore breach of contract between them and their users. That's the what the lawsuits have alleged. It's interesting how they have become this target now for lawsuits. The companies claim that they didn't stop it for at least at the time of this recording. The official reasons they've given were pretty vague, but they were all sort of related to liquidity where they have a financial requirement to, I don't understand it very well, but financial requirement to to kind of hold certain assets so they can cover cover bets and so to, to settle trades. And so what that means is basically they did it for financial reasons. They didn't have enough money to keep the system going and to, to be, they, they were legally liable uh, if, they, if they wouldn't provide that money. So that, that's their explanation. Now, whether that's true or not, we probably wouldn't know uh, for a while, <laughs> if ever. But that's definitely not, a lot of people are not buying it. Some people are buying it. They, they found themselves in the middle of this for sure. They're in a way the scapegoat of the whole thing. They're at the very center of it. And it might cost them. I don't know. It, even beyond the lawsuits, I don't know how, would, how people in general would see it. Because as so, we so said... Far, there's, so far, there's been a lot of negativity for sure. I think Google's been deleting a bunch of negative comments that have been left on the on the on the app. Yeah. Like in a day, all these I thousands actually, and thousands of comments. I actually have this. Like I, I was watching a video on exactly this topic. And as the video went, the guy was talking about it, and then he refreshed. And the number of comments on the Google Play Store went from three hundred thousand to two hundred thousand about. 
so they removed just in that one instance they removed about 100,000 comments and you could, you you saw how the app just was hugely hugely one star when i looked at it at a later stage after watching that video it was all back to what seemed like normal and that they had removed a lot of these comments right but there were on the flip side there were a lot of people who now in comments to that video and other videos said well i use the app and my comment was deleted and i i am a user of that app and i was genuinely unhappy so how dare google do that and I think a lot of this mitigation of damage is is going to come back and bite a lot of companies in the ass. Yeah, I find it quite strange, to be honest, that they would delete these comments because uh, those th that wasn't just trolling. It wasn't fake comments. It was users being prevented from buying a certain stock and reacting to it. I mean, if, if you're not letting me continue my position, I, I think I have the right to be pissed off about it. If I am a real user, if I'm genuinely upset about it, like why can't I write a comment about it? I'm not surprised because a lot of the companies do that now. If you go in and you can and you look at a number of move even movies, music, and you look at the reviews, they remove a lot of the negativity and a lot of negative comments. And they even have certain um they exclude a lot of the low comments in through algorithms because they say, oh, they're too harsh. Or to prevent what was the what was the technical term of this uh, review bombing to prevent review <laughs> bombing in fact i dare anybody to go to rotten tomatoes and look at the rise of skywalker and i can guarantee you that the audience score will be 86 percent it doesn't matter when you look at it because the audience score on that movie has been 86 percent almost since it was out it never moved there are a ton of videos on this on youtube so just go and look it up well, and people are particularly upset at Robinhood because of that whole take from the rich and give to the poor. And now people are saying like, well, is it the sheriff <laughs> disguised as Robinhood or what's it's happening false, there? false flag operation, everyone. Yeah. I mean, so Robinhood was, I think, uh, hugely rumored to be going public soon as a company. Um, so it was expected, uh, you know, this is not... Uh, I don't have any information on this, just uh, saying what I've heard from here and there, but, but don't take this as any advice or anything. But, uh, you know, there was speculation that they'll be going public within the next year or so. So after this uh, scandal happened with them now, I'm not sure they're going to go public pretty soon because <laughs> there might be a lot of angry traders at them. I'm not sure they want to face that. Yeah, there is. this opens up another question, which is if you have this power to organize and you're unhappy with a company such as Robinhood, would you just go and short them and thereby hurt them their bottom line? It is tricky because you will have to bet your own money to do it. Kind of like putting your money where your mouth is, like pretty heavily. Uh, no. You can, but it, it it's a lot of money to, to waste for that. Not waste, but to invest in that. True, but as we'll, I want to talk about something about Discord in a minute. But as uh, the Reddit mods said so the moderators to the reddit subreddit uh wall street bet said they have about 250,000 users so if 250,000 users go and even make a small short on a robin hood or a company such as that that would still affect them quite a bit because just sheer volume even if you don't put in that much money yeah i think you're right it depends on how big a movement they could get if there was going to be such a movement. I'm not suggesting there should be such a movement. Um, 
but just uh, thinking about it yeah the more people they have naturally the more powerful they can be because i mean they've been quite successful at holding gamestop at 300 and the way that this went is the gamestop stock went from about 20-ish dollars to about 350 then it went down to 190 the next day then it went up to again yesterday at some point it was like it was at a record high i think it was over 350 do i have that open still yeah so at the moment the stock is at 328.4 and at some point on the 28th of january it was on over 468 dollars per stock per share so they've they've been holding out for about four days at the moment and they've been holding out quite well yeah they, i mean they could be uh, it, it all depends on how strong the feelings are for or against robin hood uh, a lot of these people are still using robin hood <laughs> uh, you know that they're the most popular i think their ceo just uh, gave an interview um, at the time of this recording and he just, uh, or the day before this recording, and he said that Robinhood was the most popular app in the App Store among all apps for the last few days. It's one of the most popular, yeah. It was number one even before the whole scandal with them happened. But that's crazy. Like a, a stock trading app to be the number one app. Like I would have never expected that would ever happen. Honestly, I, it, I think it goes back to our empowerment because especially, I think it's also a matter of culture to some degree, because in Europe, such a thing, like investment is not really seen as that, as a given. And it's only reserved for a very small part of the population. Whereas here, investment is much more ubiquitous and adopted by so many more people. And before I came here, I would have never even considered investing. Like That was for the rich, right? Whereas now, I'm much more likely to do it. Maybe not put that much money in and and do some limited stuff, but definitely it is an interesting avenue to pursue. And I'm thinking obviously of long positions and not short positions. Well, so it's interesting. Well, it's not that obvious, but it's interesting how that might change now after this became such a big deal globally. This whole GameStop stock. Uh, I was just on a on a stream uh, about the topic. Uh, it's one of those popular YouTubers that has been talking about investing and things like that and he has this whole stream about with a ton of people on it talking about GameStop and kind of like extending that movement to live streaming uh, or having a live stream about the movement and he was kind of doing a live analysis of his audience and he was actually fascinated how he's got people from all over the world he had a ton of countries representation he expected it to be just the US but it was like growing and growing and he had people from all over the place so maybe that might be one of those moments where it kind of like expands uh, the number of people all over the world that are doing this. Yeah, podcasts like ours, when we obviously don't have the biggest reach at the moment, but even with podcasts and news outlets and, and different YouTubers and content creators in general talking about it, a lot of people might go and think, well, why, why not me? Why shouldn't I invest? You know, it could remove some of the stigma. And I have a friend who used to be a Wall Street investor and he used to work in the, in the field. Uh, we might, we're considering actually having some kind of either podcast or having him on as a guest or something, which we're still thinking about what the best option is to think about this and other occurrences and what stock trading is like from, from his perspective as a, as more of an expert. But 
beside that, it could have to do a lot with public a common people are doing that now. And there is a change in the community in general, in the uh, trader community in general, stock trader community in general, where before they used to have this opinion of you go big or you go home a lot more. And you, they say, oh, well, if you unless you buy 100 shares or something, you're really not doing anything and you're not going to have any effect. Whereas now it's much more user-friendly and, and, and commoner-friendly or peasant-friendly, if you wish, where you don't need to invest that much money even initially. You can buy a few shares here and there and just play around because there is no what Robinhood and apps like that have done and, and investment firms like Fidelity have done is they've really reduced the amount of money you need per transaction. So transactions now are a lot easier. You don't need as much capital to do that. So that could really ch change the field as well. Yeah, the, it definitely reminds me of my gym. You know, I used to go in high school in the gym and some big guys would be like, oh, go home and do push-ups. I'm going to use this instead of you. <laughs> Your yeah. weight's too little. <laughs> it's kind of like the same mentality of uh, David and Goliath type of thing, like ganging up on the little guy. Yeah. Uh, for sure, yeah, fractional shares is, and commission-free trading are two of the things that are definitely helped it. Fractional shares is where you can just buy a piece of a share. So even if the share might be like 3000 bucks, you can have any, just $1 and still invest in the company. So well, $1 probably makes sense, but maybe you have a thousand bucks instead of 3000. And so you can just buy a fraction of it. So that's kind of enabled, lowered the bar and, you know, commission-free trades where you don't pay per transaction. You just, well, you don't pay anything. You just, uh, if you make the mistake, then you pay the price, but yeah. it's just your, it's just your money. And I think one thing that's also very important is certain apps like Robinhood being the most famous example, uh, have great user interfaces. They're just much easier to use. Uh, they've reduced the friction tremendously. Um, when I started, I was using Vanguard and Fidelity. These are more like your traditional big money managers uh, to do this. And their interfaces are terrible. As a, as a product designer, it just blows my mind how bad those apps were. I think fintech apps were the worst or were the worst. And, and now you have things like Robinhood and the apps, the app's awesome to use. It's super intuitive, super easy to use. I mean, even the descriptions in the app are one of the best descriptions that I've heard, like that I've seen. I think it's that's definitely played a big role as well, a great UX. Yeah, I think a big part of this could be the difference in culture, where in one case, you want to have your investing is reserved for the few which understand it. And it's almost like, it, for lack of a better word, elitist where only the few that understand it should should be able to use it or are, are using it. So therefore, design and user friendliness is not a huge problem. And in the other case, you're aiming to make a product for people who are not well-versed in the field, and therefore your design needs to be a lot more user-friendly. Yeah, to some extent, even the, it's like the person using the app is not the person with the money. Yeah, uh, It's more like a manager <laughs> that manages the money for someone else. And so then you don't you don't really care about the, the UI because there's a big incentive for you to use the app. You want to you know manage someone's money or something like that. So it's much bigger transactions, much bigger deals. So that you have someone that actually deals with that in the office. You don't actually have to care. But when you go down to the consumer technology type of stuff where you're directly being used by the investor themselves, then 
user interfaces generally make a big difference. To change up the topics a little bit, the last thing I wanted to talk about is another aspect of social media, which was the banning of the subreddit from Discord. And early news were a little bit mixed, and I think a lot of people felt very strongly about it. And there was some early which um, reporting, which now seems to be false, which is that Reddit banned the or privated what's called quarantined the subreddit, which doesn't seem to be true. And what instead happened is that the subreddit went private on its own for a while. And I think it was like a, an hour or several hours. That's from what I've read. And afterwards came back. And the point was because of all the news attention there, they received a ton of new people, a ton of new messages, and they couldn't keep up with those new messages. So that's one aspect of it. The second one is that Discord actually banned their server. That is the case. And I think they either have revised that now or are going to revise in the next day or so. Uh, and there seems to be a little bit of a disagreement of what's happened. But according to Discord, they banned the subreddit for toxic behavior. Let me just see if <laughs> I can find the exact quote. Yeah, okay. So the exact quote is from, the, from Discord about banning the Wall Street bets server. The Wall Street Bet server has been in our tests and uh, trust and safety team's radar for some time due to occasional content that violates our community guidelines, including hate speech, glorifying violence, and spreading misinformation. And then they continue with, you know, they've issued them multiple warnings in the last few months, etc. And so that's why they say they banned them. So that seems a little bit odd considering they banned them the day after the whole thing kicks off. So the timing is really strange. And largely from what I see, people don't seem to buy it. And that's from comments on social media and other things. I mean, realistically, the, the way that the Redditors themselves, the mods on the subreddit put it on, sub, on Reddit, is that if you get 25, uh, 250,000 people together in one place, you always have a few which make you look bad. And they're going to say something that is not great. Right. So that would be the arguments for and against. And this goes into our conversation from the last podcast, which is about social media censorship and how can it can affect such communities and how it can be misused, possibly. And we are, we're not trying to allege that anything that Discord did or anything that the subreddit did we're not saying they did anything, but the timing looks very strange. Yeah, I mean, it feels just this sort of the outsider's view, subjective perspective. It, you know, it feels pretty much obviously as a retaliation to what's happening. They're trying to stop, essentially, the craze that's going on. Uh, I'm not allegedly saying that. You know they're doing it to help the hedge funds or whatever but you know it, it is a lot of noise it is a lot of uh, drama and action and it, it looked like certain institutions were just trying to put an end to it and control it yeah. for whatever reason they might have what annoys me is that this received a lot of negative attention for discord and i think they need and they deserve every last bit of it because i i staunchly disagree with discord in this case 
Um, but if there had not been this attention, I wonder if they would actually have, have reversed their decision. And now they're supposedly working with the moderators to, to work something out. And I honestly doubt, and this is my personal opinion, I honestly doubt that they would have done that had there not been this kind of a spotlight on the whole thing. And my guess is that they thought this would not happen. Like, it wouldn't be that bad. Yeah, but Genie's out of the bottle now. Yeah. There will be consequences. I hope so. Is there anything else we want to talk about? I think we just about covered it. Uh, where we stand on this as of today. <laughs> Let's see how it develops. It's an interesting story. Uh, a lot to unravel there, I think, over the coming months. So, yeah. Looking forward to it. The beginning of the populist revolution. I'm joking. That <laughs> don't know about that. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you later. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate us, like, and share. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where we are at Pine Talks. From the whole Pine Talks team, we hope you have an awesome day.